This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. It is Wednesday, all. My experience on social media. Are you saying my experience is different it's than yours? It's okay. He comes in the window and he's like, uh, good job, you know, proud of you. Uh, you're going to have to ride home with the team. Get out of here. I've gotten a bunch of the books you're talking about. It's not important if you didn't read any of those, right? I mean, it's two weeks and, and haven't read one book. <laughs> Once we went through that big, long, dry spell, we made a point to really celebrate hard each and every win. We even celebrated a third-place finish. Don't ever think you're getting carried away. Yeah. You're celebrating top fives. Yeah, that's, right. that's when you might want to start asking some questions. <laughs> Welcome to Wednesdays with Dale Jr. on NASCAR America. I'm Rick Allen alongside Dale Jr., Jeff Burton, Steve Letarte, all here. Last Wednesday with Dale Jr. before Baby Watch and Baby Comes. I know, actually, you tweeted last week, I know most fathers-to-be set up that baby monitor as part of preparing the nursery for arrival, but do they put the handset on the coffee table and stare at an empty crib all day? I can't wait for it to get here. So are are you just sitting at the edge of your seat? Saying, all right, Amy, is it time, is it time, is it time? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's ready, I'm ready. Uh, It could be any day now. And we've been getting the house ready and getting her nursery ready. And, you know, I think I've checked that monitor to make sure it's working about a dozen times. Car seat's ready? Car seat's been in the car for about three weeks. (laughs) Strap downs. (laughs) Good decision. Yeah. Um, It's a a real exciting time. I think we're in baby watch now, so it's... uh, it, any, yeah, I mean, it's one week. Rick, let's be right. honest. They're anxious. They're not ready. No, no one's ready. ever ready. Nobody's ever ready. That's right. That's when right. I left the hospital, We're I was like, where's the, as where's the manual? <laughs> there you go. Prepared as possible. As, as, we, as ready as we know how to be. So yes. it's All right. and Just to be clear, we're talking about us being ready. We really don't do anything. Like, right. she's going to do all the work. <laughs> yeah. Just, just so you know. That's a very good point. Yeah. But... We can, that, hold hands, why, we can it, hold hands and hands. Yeah, I got the phone close by at all times. Just in case. Is I that why you two? Yeah. Y'all just in case? You got your well, phone just in case ready, he just doesn't case? answer. Okay. I might be the second, third <laughs> call. Mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. know where I am on the call list. <laughs> I want to be ready. <laughs> you can't get through. You can't get through. All right, well, Dale Jr. has a major announcement, and it's not that Amy's going into labor, we hope, coming up in just a few <laughs> minutes. But first on the agenda today is another announcement and the return of NASCAR champion Matt Kenseth. Now, last November, Kenseth made what many thought was the final start of his cup career alongside Dale Jr. at Miami. But that is not the case. Today, Roush Fenway Racing announced that Kenseth is returning to his former team to drive the number six Ford in a select number of races. Following the big reveal, Kenseth spoke to Marty Snyder at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Well, it's official. Matt Kenseth is back. You mentioned last year, you said, I'm only going to come back if it is the right opportunity. Why specifically was this the right opportunity beyond maybe driving? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, I think the 
it's not just about driving. I think if it was just just about driving, I'd, I probably would have been at Daytona. Um, you know, but there, there's a lot of other things in the organization. I feel like they're they're definitely on the upswing from where they were uh, uh, two years ago to even last year to now. Uh, I feel like the cars are running better. Um, I, I think that um, I think we're going to perform okay, and uh, and hopefully I can I can help um, the organization keep getting stronger. At least that's my my hope and my goal. Uh, obviously, my 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 driving is not the long-term answer for the six car um you know it probably will be hopefully for the foreseeable future but um not long-term answer so i am looking forward to um you know seeing who the, the next guys are uh, seeing if i can help trevor see if i can help ricky um and, and like i said just see if i can um you know be part of the company and be part of of, of making it making it better and we're going to show you more from marty's interview with kenza later in the show but we all watched the announcement were you surprised by anything you heard you know i'm not really that surprised i guess uh that that matt was picked to drive for anyone because i think he'd be at the top of the list for a lot of teams if they were looking for a driver it's rare when you see a change made in the middle of the year you know and uh the one thing though that i like the best about all this is that matt feels like this is a great opportunity for he can come in and help he and that's so fun for anyone i think a driver especially is to be asked to come into a situation where you think that you can make a difference. And he honestly does. And like he said, it's, it's not about just the driving. It's about being able to make an impact and influence this team and this company. And I'm sure that Matt knows how to do that, and Matt will do that. Yeah, I, I, was, I was a little surprised that Matt kept talking about long-term yeah. and with, without him driving. You know, like he – you know, that he – really wants to be a part of that company and try to help move that ball. Not that Matt can't do it, because I think Matt can do it. I just didn't know that he had the interest in doing that. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that he was, that that was bouncing around in his head, because he's always been focused on driving. And, and you know, when, you, when you've driven for a period of time, and then you get out of that car, you start thinking differently. It, it does make you look at things differently. But I'm not surprised, even though, and, and Jack mentioned it, you know, Jack had his feelings hurt that Matt left. Matt had his feelings hurt that Matt left. You know what I mean? It wasn't like Matt just said to heck with y'all for no reason. He, he left for a reason, right? I, I wasn't surprised that Matt Kenza said, you know, I'm still a part of Roush Racing because the way Jack runs that program, uh, when you're one of his drivers, you're one of his drivers. And he gives you a lot of rope. And, and it makes you take ownership in that company. And it doesn't surprise me one bit that Mark Martin was there because, uh, honestly, if I could have been there, I would have been there because you, you, you want to see Roush do well because that's who gave you the shot. And, and Jack, the way Jack works, he makes you part of it. And, and so you always have pride. You want to see those cars running well. Matt mentioned it. Mark mentioned it. You know, it hurts to see those cars running the way they've been running. Well, I said this since the moment that Matt Kenseth left to go to Joe Gibbs Racing. Matt Kenseth is a franchise driver. Even today, even this weekend, when the Joe Gibbs Racing cars unload at Talladega, they need to go back and thank Matt Kenseth because he went there with Toyota still on the upswing and his leadership, his feedback in the meetings on Tuesday, and his performance on race day helped Toyota, and in my mind, Joe Gibbs Racing, build that foundation. What do the engines need to be? What are the, what's the aero program need to be? They, it's way more than performance on the racetrack. He can put you in a direction. So now looking at what he can bring to Roush Fenway in their current state, it's that. It's that franchise driver they currently don't have. This is the most excited I've been for Roush Fenway Racing in a long time. I will raise my hand as one of the people that were very concerned we wouldn't see a Roush Fenway in four or five years because I know they have been trying to get better. 
but going about it in a way that didn't excite me. I heard a lot of the same names, a lot of the same people. The manufacturer then has Stuart Haas Racing. Right? So when you look at the, the recipe to get better, I was concerned that the ingredients were already in the bowl at some point, and it didn't work. When you look at Matt Kenseth, I think he can come in there on a Tuesday and say, guys, it's not motor, it's aero. Guys, it's not arrow. It's pit stops. What you know? He has nothing to prove in his career, which the two young drivers do because they have to. That's a young driver's right. job. He can be very honest, and I think that honesty will help set it in the right direction. And then you keep mentioning and all of what he talks about outside the car. There's no telling where it goes when he's done driving. The thing, the thing that I find really interesting, and people ask me about Ricky Stenhouse, and they ask me about Trevor Bain. I don't know how good they are. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. Like I, I have a hard time. We all know. That if the car won't go around the racetrack, you can't go around the racetrack. You can't compete. But at the same time, I know Rick Stenhouse Jr. won an Xfinity Championship. I know that Trevor Bain won a Daytona 500. I know that they are at least good race car drivers. I don't know if they're capable of winning three, four, five races a year. I don't know. And and this question is going to get answered. By putting Matt Kenseth in that car... Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Trevor Bain are both going to learn something about themselves. Now, it might hurt their feelings or it might make them feel better about this. We don't know. But we're all going to learn in this process. And I find that fascinating because I, I just, until, until they have that franchise driver to compare themselves against, how can they know what kind of race car driver they are? Yeah. I also think that the, uh, a big component of this, too, is that fam- familiar feeling yeah. of being home. You know, this is a family organization to him. And, Jeff, you know that as well yep. as anybody at this table. He is going to a place where there's going to be emotion to everything he does, and there'll be a purpose behind it. Uh, and, the like you said, the long-term opportunity for him. We've heard Jack talk recently in the, in the, in the press about how he, he's on a transition, in a, in a transition out of the company. You know, he's looking for uh, – somebody or, or, or some sort of a group of people to come in to be able to carry this company forward. And this you know, could be the first domino, I guess, in that transition. And Matt's the kind of guy that I think would be a, you know, a real gem for a team like Roush going forward once Matt's out of the driver's seat. You know, once he's uh, behind the desk and sort of pulling levers and a, a scouts you know, for talent and so forth and and a guy that you know has a championship and a lot of uh, you know a lot of wins under his belt, he's going to bring a lot of credibility. Sponsors are going to listen when he talks. Uh, this is like you say, this is a great time for for Roush. This is a a very difficult decision to make in the middle of the season, but I think it's one they had to make. I mean, the writing was on the wall. Yeah, I mean, this isn't, um, I think, a shock that changes were made. I mean, we we all saw that with big expectations last year with Ricky Stenhouse making the playoffs. And really, remember, at Indianapolis, we were talking Trevor Bain putting a second car in the playoffs. He was that in that talk. He got an accident on the backstretch in the closing laps, and it kind of all fell apart to make the playoffs. I think they were looking for an uptick. Right. In my mind, looking back, take the Speedway wins out. Let's just take the rest yeah. of the run. I think the 17 is running status quo. I don't think he's running any better or any worse than he ran last year. I think the six car is trending down. I think they were equal to the 17 last year. This year, they're not. The reasons, listen, unless you work there, you, it'd be impossible to know the reasons. The simple fact is you talk about a familiarity. This is, we're talking about a guy that's won 24 races. Matt Kenseth has won 24 with, races with for Roush Fenway yeah. Racing, 36 in his career. He led over 7,000 laps. So How many? 
over 7,000 wow. laps just for Roush Fenway Racing. Wow. So when you, when you start looking at his numbers, it's his credibility in the driver's seat, in the meetings, in the boardrooms, in the Fortune 500 boardrooms. You know, name yeah. a role or a position he can't handle, and I'm struggling. To, apparently, retirement was the only one that he didn't really, <laughs> he didn't really like because he, he, he came back, which, to his defense, he never did say he was retired. He just said he was done for the moment. Yeah, we saw, uh, we saw really that fatherly kind of Jack Roush. He had Mark Martin sitting next to him. They talked about you, Jeff. They, he had Matt over there. And, and your careers have really paralleled each other. I mean, you and Matt came in as rookies uh, together. You went through your entire career. You had the opportunity to kind of put a period on yeah. your career by having a retirement. Matt never really did. Is this that opportunity for him to maybe, as a driver, and I'm not retiring him yet, of course, but as a driver, can he have a little closure on his driving career? I think this would be an excellent opportunity for Matt to do it his way. Yeah. And even though he won that race at Phoenix, and that was a, that was a great bookend to his, his career, in my opinion, he wasn't ready. Right. He didn't want to stop racing, and he didn't want to stop competing. And this is such an amazing opportunity for him to go into a place that needs him. He's going to feel needed. Right. You know, and, and over the last couple months, he hasn't felt needed wanted by anyone this is an opportunity where a company wants him to come in and is depending on him to help them you know identify where they can get stronger and they trust him they're going to have so much trust and belief in him to do that he's going to feel so empowered this is going to be an excellent opportunity experience for him and i think it'll allow him to say hey you know at the end of my career i got to do something really great that was come in and help a company that helped me when i was getting ready to start my cup career and now look where this company is. You know, I've, I've been able to be a part of bringing it up to this level. It's going to be awesome. You know, it, it, is, it is, would be very difficult in your 40s to retire. And think about that. And everybody says, man, I wish I could go fishing all day long. I wish I didn't have to go to work. Do it for a couple of weeks and get back to me. Yeah. When, you, when you have driven and you have been in the heat of the battle and the switch gets flipped and you're no longer in the heat of the battle, it's... It's not a friendly place. Matt has a house full of beautiful girls. He has plenty to keep himself busy. But you have to have something in your life that wakes you up in the morning that you want to go accomplish. And, and being part of something, somebody wanting you to help, you know, you're able to transition from one career to this one. Right. I had the same luxury. You had the same luxury. Like, we still see our buddies. Like, we still go to the racetrack. We still hang out with the people we know. We still, you know, get to go to dinner. We, we do those things, even though we're not in the heat of the battle. We're in this heat of the battle. Well, he went cold turkey. Yeah. And, and say what you want. And, you know, I hear, it all, man, I wish I didn't have to work. When you love what you do yeah. and you have a passion for, for racing, for motorsports, whatever it is, I don't care what your passion is, and they shut that valve off, man, that's hard. And I... Matt says it, you know, I've been happy, all that. He wouldn't be coming back if he, was, if he felt completely fulfilled. And, 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 you know, this gives him an opportunity to look at not, in his words, not be the long-term solution for the six car, but potentially be the long-term part of the long-term solution for Roush. Right. That's, that makes you feel good, man. Now I'm part of something. And that's, that's what Matt Kenseth, I think he's earned that right. I think he has done enough in his career that he's earned that right to try to be part of something 
and not just leave the sport. Well, the interesting thing is you talk long-term, it's very easy for me to understand the long-term goal. Where I struggle, and I've thought about this all day, is when the six car comes off the truck at Kansas, what are the expectations? I, I, I know that sounds silly, but you and I have had this conversation a lot in our career. You know, you want to say, win, win. That's a lie. You don't unload 36 <laughs> weeks. Right there are tracks you're like, oh, well, okay, good run here. Look, we ran really bad here last year. Let's try to go lead some. You know, you have to be realistic with what you're trying to be. I couldn't, from top to bottom, know what to put for expectations on Matt Kenseth. So my bigger question marks are in the short term. The long term seems clear to me what he's there to do. My expectations are to, you know, I don't, I, I don't, there's nothing in performance that I'm looking for. I don't, you know, if he goes out and they don't run well, I'm not going to be surprised. I don't expect him to, to run in the top ten right out of the gate. However they finish isn't really important to me right, you know, right from the start. Is, does his, does his, presence in the car over a period of time change it you know and and we'll hear from ricky stenhouse he'll be the most vocal person in that company outside of matt to tell us how much of a difference matt has made we might not hear from the crew chiefs through the media and so forth but we'll hear from ricky about the difference that matt's made i think over the season we'll get to see our expectations are that it gets better Right. right I think right out of the gate, I don't expect a team to run any better. If it does, great. If it does, if it doesn't, no big deal. But I think over, you know, over the period of the year, I think Matt expects things to get better, and Matt want, you know, that's Matt's, Matt's intention is for it to get better. There has to be a process with the addition of Matt Kenseth. Yeah, you can't just say, okay, Matt Kenseth. Like there has to be a process and a reason that he's there, and then you have to trust that process and let the time happen. You can't just plug Matt Kenseth in and expect, okay, we're going to get results. The fabricators want that, yeah, right? Yeah, the fabricators yeah. and the guys that build a chassis and the guys that set them up, they're like, yeah, man, like, yeah. you know, that's what they want. But the truth is, it's going to be a process, and you're going to have to, there's going to be ups and downs, and you're just going to have to trust it and stick with it. That's why I asked, right? Because yeah. if I was one of the crew chiefs, I would have to try to figure out what I'm selling to my guys in Kansas, right? Like, like what's the goal here? Because sometimes it's hard for everyone to see that far yeah. out. Of all, the, of all the guys available on the market, so to speak, I mean, it, there's not a better no. No decision brainer. than to bring in Matt. No brainer. Well, it's been a big announcement, obviously. And coming up on Wednesdays with Dale Jr., another huge announcement this weekend. NASCAR heads to Talladega. Nobody knows how to win there better than the Earnhardt family. Jr. will tell us the secret to winning at Dega. Plus, what will Matt Kenza say to Trevor Bain? We'll hear from Kenseth and what today's move means for Bain. And Junior will answer your questions. Send them in using the hashtag WinsDale. But next, what is the big announcement Dale Jr. has regarding the next chapter of his life? Find out after the break. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. everybody for being here today especially on such short notice we're here today to confirm uh, the news you received this morning that i've decided to make this season my last as a nascar cup driver i just want to thank everybody for making me feel pretty incredible today i am eager to explore new opportunities i don't see myself really detaching from nascar my my intention is still to be involved in the sport on some level more than that i want to be a part of the future of this sport for many many years to come Thank you very much. 
And it was on this day, one year ago, that Dale Earnhardt Jr. announced his retirement as a full-time driver. And you have another announcement on this day, one year later. What's that announcement? Yeah, um, I am writing a book about my experiences uh, with concussions. Okay. And so really going all the way back to uh, 2012 when I, when I was injured for the first time, uh, I started taking a, I started really kind of keeping a bit of a journal uh, from that point all the way up until the present regarding all of my experiences with crashes, uh, symptoms, rehab, uh, really anything that, uh, that sort of was involving um, my, you know, my life and, and, and involving really what I was going through. I don't think that anybody, I don't think that nobody outside of Amy and my doctor knows exactly everything that went on and how bad it was. And um, a lot of people ask me all the time about, a lot of my fans, there's a couple reasons why I wanted to write this book. My fans ask me all the time about why I retired early. Uh, from driving when I probably had a couple more years. I think this book will answer all those questions. And it'll also help people like myself that was going through that situation uh, from feeling helpless. And uh, seeing that, you know, hearing hearing someone's story about how they worked through it and got around it, because there's some really, really bad moments, very, very dark moments and some helpless moments where you want to give up and, and uh, you, you know, luckily I had a really good doctor that I could call at any hour of the night and say, you know, talk me off this ledge, like help me understand like this is going to get better and tell me that you fix, fix this in someone else um, because I just don't feel like it's going to go away. Yeah. So there, you're going to read about all this in the book and understand really how deep this, this thing got and why we made a lot of decisions we made. Uh, I just want to, in the end, I want it to be a, a book that maybe uh, helps people that are in the same situation either know, like a lot of people get in this position, don't even know where to go for help, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you would you would think it's obvious, like, well, you know, you get in front of this, you know, the right neurosurgeon and you you get that help. A lot of people don't even know that, like how how to how to approach someone to get this kind of help. Outside of their family doctor, they have no idea. Right. And so... Uh, this will help a lot of people, I hope, to um, get through the same type of issues, get in front of the right people, get the right help. And it's a book I wanted to write. I, when I was writing all those notes, I didn't know why I was writing them other than I was scared of what I was feeling and what I was going through. And that if something were to happen to me where I could not articulate these experiences, there they would be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we when we got to thinking about it uh, and started talking, um, my, co, uh, my co-author Ryan McGee, uh, and I sat down and looked over the notes, and he like, we need to write the book around these notes. This is exactly, this, this is the story uh, of everything you went through. So I think people are going to be really, uh, you know, really surprised, I think. By, I don't think anybody outside of my really tight inner circle knows everything that happened. And it's going to be fun to yeah. reveal that. And the book is called Racing to the Finish Line. And I think one of the things that, that I'm impressed with, and I know that we've kind of been a part of that circle of yours that, you've told the things is, is that you had a hard time standing up. Yeah. I mean, you were falling down and I don't think people understood just how bad it was in your life because we only saw the public side, you at a racetrack, you getting in a race car, you smiling. And it, it was to the point where 
you questioned if you could ever race again. Yeah, I mean, just was I was questioning whether life as I knew it would be normal again, yeah. you know. And uh, I went to the doctor and said, you know, I'm getting ready to get married in New, at New Year's, and this is around August, September, and October. I said, I just want to be able to go and get married with a, you know, and and realize what's happening. You know, have a clear mind and, and enjoy and, and remember that experience. Yeah. You know, just help me get that. I don't care about racing. I don't care about anything additional in life other than just normalcy. And help me get to where that I can go through an experience like getting married, something that we all, you know, go through, hope to go through one day in our lives, and be able to remember that and, 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 and be in the moment, you know. And so uh, it's, gr- it's going to be a great experience for me to get this off of my shoulders. You know, there's a lot of information in this story that wasn't shared with everybody. Out, you know, like I say, I mean, a lot of things in this book, Amy didn't even know, you know, that they were, they were private to me and, and my journal and, and maybe to my doctor. Right. You know, there's even things in the book that the doctor didn't even know. I mean... <laughs> It's going to be fun to get this off of my shoulders and get this off of my plate. And uh, I just, hopefully it helps people. I, the, the big return for me uh, would be to, to, to somebody come up and say, I read the book and it helped me. Well, that, I mean, that's why I applaud you. I, um, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at that, we lived that together in 2012 when you had your big accident in Kansas and then at Talladega and had to take time out of the car. I, looking back, it's beyond me that I wasn't smart enough to realize and help and, and be a part of it. But even six years ago, I had never read a book. I had never read stories. I had no right. idea what concussions could perhaps look like. Now, you think about knocked out, and, and, but it's way more complicated than that. So I'm excited to read the book, and I applaud you because I look at that book as that opportunity that if I would have had a chance to read a book like that, what could I have done? Absolutely. What could I have said? You know, yeah. it's, 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 I wasn't with you as a crew chief later in your career, but at that moment, looking back, reliving some of the stories, it's amazing to me that you and I and the group of us weren't smarter to be like, hey, wait, you know, that was a pretty big crash. We should talk about this, this, or this. But it just it yeah. wasn't talked about like it is now. And I think a lot of that has to do with you pushing it out with things like this book. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not trying to... I don't know that I... I'm not, I'm not trying to change anybody's opinion about anything. I just want to share my experience and I wanted to, when I, uh, when I would go to my doctor in Pittsburgh when I was really sick, he would put me with other patients to have conversations, other patients with the same issues. And that was really, that was really, really helpful to get a call, to be able to get on the phone and talk to somebody that he, that he saw go through the same exact thing and, and, and he helped them get well. To hear that person on the other end of the phone say, man, just trust the process, hang in there. You know, when you don't believe the process at all, you're sitting there going, oh, it's, it's two months and it's not changed. You know, this is, this is just, you know, stop, stop bull crap. You know, stop shooting the crap and just tell me the truth. Is this how I'm going to live the rest of my life? And to hear somebody on the end of the phone go, man, just trust the process, keep working, keep doing the exercises, do what, you know, listen to, Mickey, your doctor, and, and this is going to work. Um, that's what I hope this book does for somebody. And, uh, it, you know, like I say, I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff in there that I was uncomfortable sharing at the time. 
uh, because you know it just was a there's a just a lot of personal mm -hmm. information and personal things going on in my life that I wasn't ready to share, couldn't share in the moments uh, when they were happen happening. But I but it's but it's time and and it's going to be fun to put it out there. All right. Well, you're going to have to do book signings when you get the book <laughs> released. So go ahead and start with that one, Dale. <laughs> your first book in 2002 was a bestseller. Something tells me that the second book might be a bestseller as well. Racing to the Finish is available. It's October 16th. Again, you can find information about pre-ordering a copy at DaleJr.com. And if you want to ask Junior a question about the book or anything else, send them in on social media with the hashtag Wednesdale. We'll ask him some of your best questions. That's later on in the show. For many years, Dale Jr. brought the fans to their feet at Talladega. When Wednesdays with Dale Jr. returns, we'll find out how he was able to create some of the biggest moments in that track's history. Stay tuned. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. I'm here with Dylan Hart after he just won the Die Hard 500. What's the question, dude? <laughs> uh, well, um, how was the race? Well, it was hot, but it was fast. Yeah. Just like, just like you told me to go. Dale Earnhardt comes down and will take his tip at Talladega. Give it to Earnhardt, the Dega Dominator. for four in a row at Talladega. He makes it happen. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Checkered flag at Talladega. I'd say Junior Nation's going to party like it's 1999. Woohoo! That was why I said the Dega Dominator, wasn't it? <laughs> I love that. The Earnhardts established a tradition of excellence on the 33-degree high banks of Talladega. Dale Earnhardt Sr. won an astonishing 10 times at NASCAR's biggest track. And his son, Dale Jr., wasn't bad either, scoring six wins there in his cup career. And you went on a run. You went on a tear, as a matter of fact. You won four in a row. Actually, you can help us through sure. this last one of the four in a row wins that you had at Talladega. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. So, uh, right here... There's five to go. Yeah, right? we're getting ready. To, we get this run. I'm trying to help Matt because Matt used to tell me I'd never helped him too much. So here I am getting ready to do. Uh, we done ran into the back of the 48. You see his quarter panel all bent up there. But I'm pushing up on Matt here, and the 48 is trying to side draft, which is fine. I'm getting ready to get some good help from behind. Um, the 48 looks like he's in trouble, but he jumps in front of this 22, and they get a real, real good push down the back straightaway. Now I got no help. I'm freaking out a little bit because their run looks pretty good on the outside. Uh, stay patient right here. Just stick with Matt. I get another pretty decent run here up on Matt. And our bottom line's starting to form again a little bit. Still getting side drafted a little bit. Uh, side drafting back then, still pretty important. The bottom's forming good and hard right here. And we get a real good push on Matt. Almost tear Matt's quarter panel off right there. Uh, the 48's not looking too good about what Matt's doing and ends up going up and blocking the outside line. Here they're trying to pin me behind the 16, but I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> and uh, that hurt Ward a little bit. 
now I pushed Matt out way far. So the 48's waiting, waiting, waiting. They're, they're thinking about side drafting each other a little bit, but they're not too sure. Matt's going up there to side draft now, not really paying attention to me. Here I come with a great push from Elliot Sadler uh, to get by them both. That was just luck that Matt wasn't really paying attention there. Um, he was paying attention. Had Rear bumper had, picked up off the ground. Yeah, I don't, his bu all our bumpers weren't really worth pushing on after by the end of this race. So this is back when we didn't have them real big heavy bumper bars in, and you could tear everybody's bumpers up pretty bad. But um, so everybody's bumpers by the end of these races were pretty worthless. So now what's different once you get the lead though? What do you? What is the information you have to have at this point? Really, I'm just waiting on if there's any real huge dominant run coming from behind. So I've got a really, really good lead, but I'm you stay. I stay in the gas. I never drug the brake to back myself up to anybody. I always just waited on them to eventually get with get to me. If I needed the pack to get closer, I would take a longer route. I'd just drive higher in the corner. Instead of giving up momentum with my car, I'd just run along. See me kind of arcing in the corner a little high here. So I'm allowing them to kind of get a little closer instead of dragging the brake or lifting. And uh, they're starting to race a little bit behind me. This was probably good that Matt went there on the on the 38 and made a race with him because had Matt pushed the 38, he probably would have got a run to me. Uh, Matt gets a great run again to the outside, but the part of it goes with me for some reason. Uh, I guess, you know, thinking I'm another Chevrolet driver and he wanted to help a Chevrolet. So that was probably a great move to help me win the race. I don't think we had another real challenge from this point on. Had Harvick helped Matt at all on that pass, Matt probably would have cleared me and ended up winning the race. Uh, but we we sat there and got in line, and they're battling at this point with only, there's really only four cars in our draft because the rest of the cars are all side by side. So the only cars with real momentum to draft and push and make runs are the ones that that aren't side by side. So our, our pack is really kind of thinning out come a little bit up front. Nobody can get many runs on me at that particular point because of that. And uh, and that was it. I mean, as you see, we all kind of got strung out on those last few laps because of those guys back there battling side by side. So as a competitor, both racing against you for years with Gordon and then as a crew chief, you and I had this conversation because of all these strategies, riding the yeah. back and do this. And you were very adamant. Listen, I have to go race, and I have to go race up front because every race is different, and yeah. my cars drive different in every race, and I need to kind of learn how they move around. I think that's what makes four in a row so much more impressive at a place that, quote, is supposed to be unpredictable. It was pretty pretty predictable there for a couple of years that you were the car to beat. Yeah. The, um, the hardest thing about plate racing is that you need – the weirdest thing about it is that you can't win by yourself. You've got to have help. You've got to have – Partners, and those can be teammates, or those can be buddies, or that could be a car completely unrelated to you. Yeah. Um, but you need someone to help you make a pass. You need someone to help you at all times. The the way to do that, I mean, the, I mean, the way I always did it was I made everybody feel like we were best friends until I didn't need them anymore. And then you got <laughs> really you got to 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 win at plate races. You got to be everybody's best friend and then turn around and be the biggest jerk you've ever been in your life when it matters. And and you got to be the you got to think about no one but you. You know, in There's those moments. Better. I've sat in meetings with him and Jeff Gordon and the other two guys are like we're going to work together. We're going to work together. We're going to yeah. work together. And he's looking at Jeff and Jeff's looking at him and they're like hey, none of us <laughs> working together, are we? And they were like they would apologize before it started and said, "Look, we just get this out of the way. So I'm only going to worry about me." Yeah. Just so we're clear. The deal is if you can help me without hurting you, great. Yeah. But but I, I I'm not going to help you if it's going to hurt me. Right. So I can't expect the same for you. But the thing that the thing that you always did 
uh, in racing against you is you forced the tempo. Like you were very aggressive, and you made everyone around you realize you were going to be aggressive, and you were so aggressive that it kind of forced people to go with you. And every now and then, somebody wouldn't go with But for the most part, when you would make a move, someone would counter that move with the same move you just made. Like they yeah. wouldn't team up on you and, and, and get you out of line for the most part because you were always on aggression. Some people race Daytona Talladega waiting for something to happen. And other people try to make those things happen. If you try to make those things happen with a slow car, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. you go to the back. I mean, that, but, that's without a doubt, none of this happens without a great, great race car. You know, there's some, there are some. I feel like I'm a great plate racer, but without a great car, I'm no, I'm just average. Uh, but you talking about that tempo. In my mind, that all started when we unloaded. And, and in practice, you know, you get out there in that first practice, which would be a drafting practice. And, and back in 03, uh, everybody's out there. The whole field's out there practicing together. Race, it's like a race. And I always like to go out there, and I enjoyed plate racing so much that I raced in practice the way I ran in the race. I was aggressive and jump, jumping around and, and wild and, you know, and, yeah. and probably, probably annoying everyone. But at the same time, I felt like I was showing everyone – how good my car was. That's right. And saying, hey, you know, th- this car can make these moves. And so on Sunday, when you see it doing this, you, those guys had mean. confidence to go with it because they'd seen it in practice. And so I always tell, you know, guys that talk to me about plate racing today, I'll tell them, I'm, you know, when you go out there to practice, if you look normal and, and mundane and, and, and you don't look strong in practice, guys remember that. And they don't think be forgettable. That, yeah, that's right. they think that's why you know they don't they don't see confidence when they see you. That's the problem riding around in the back. Hey, that's right. Let me tell you one back thing. Twenty to go. I don't want anything to do with you. You have been up here racing with me all yeah. day long. You ain't paying. I don't want nothing to do with you. That's right. You ain't paying your dues. Winning four in a row Talladega is a big deal. <laughs> well, when you beat the guy that owns Talladega, they weren't real happy. I was on that team in 04. Oh, I'm telling you, it took. A, a well-timed, clearly ahead right here, just for the record. <laughs> clearly ahead by about a half a car. And when they announced that, because uh, this was the, the this was your quest five in a row. Yeah. yeah. And he was right there, and you could see. Look at the bottles. Yeah, the, uh, Look at the bottles. The, the uh, not Junior happy. Nation, not real happy. Not, yeah. not, our, not our sports proudest moment right there. But. I don't know. <laughs> or it was. It could go one way or the other. The, the tough thing about that is I think we won the next one. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. that would have been six in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to come so close to, to winning five in a row. Uh, we, and that happened again in, what, 2000? Yeah, seven. Six, seven? No, with uh, uh, Oh, with Lugano. you? Oh, yeah. yeah, we were up in the booth. It was like six yeah, inches. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that was uh, 14 or 15. Yeah. 15 I, I, I think, think it's 15. good. I think it's good to go six races in a row and not wreck in Talladega. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go six races in a row, you know, win five of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I always enjoyed uh, – I always enjoyed every year you got to go out there and practice too and learn because even though they may not change the plates or the spoilers or anything about the cars, they drive different. Every That's year right. you go back to Talladega, the draft has something new. There's something new for you to learn, and there's something that doesn't work that used to work. And so going out and practice and being aggressive, you're always learning something. We got a preview when he joined us in the booth a, a year or two ago and kind of hung out. Wait till oh, the yeah. fall race, that playoff race in October. It'll be a different octave oh, and yeah. a different speed to what he's explaining. <laughs> it's going to be great. Lean it out the window. <laughs> All right, when, did, when Wednesdays with Dale Jr. continues, we'll have more on Matt Kenseth's return to NASCAR, including what it means for the driver that Kenseth will be sharing the sixth car with, Trevor Bain. More to come after this. 
It's been a hard-fought emotional series between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins. And tonight, it all comes down to Game 7. Who will move in on the Stanley Cup playoffs? Coverage beginning at 6.30 Eastern with NHL Live right here on NBCSN. We're recapping our top story. Matt Kenseth is returning to the Monster Energy Cup Series in a limited schedule with Roush Fenway Racing. Kenseth will share Roush Fenway's number six car with Trevor Bain. And earlier today, Kenseth talked about how he plans to work with Bain. I know this is going to be a, a, a difficult thing. You said you haven't talked to him yet. You're kind of taking some of his races, obviously. But you're here to mentor him as well. So how will you really approach that first conversation with him? Well, uh, you know, I don't know. I've known Trevor for a long time. Trevor is a is a great, great guy. Nobody likes being in the spot he's in necessarily right now. So, I mean, I think um, after he thinks about it for a few days and, and you know, what he really desires and, and, and what he wants out of it and, um, you know, knowing Trevor, I think that, um, you know, he's going to come in and, and work even harder and, um, and and try to be better. So I'm looking forward to having that conversation and, and hopefully um, hopefully being part of that and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully being able to, um, to help him. All right, what advice do you give Trevor Bain after this announcement is made? Well, I think the important thing for Trevor is to try to uh, maintain great relationships with his partners so that whatever he's doing in the future, those, may, those people may be a part of that. So it's because it's going to be critical for him to maintain some financial backing, some support from his sponsors, no matter what he does. And what, you know, beyond Roush racing, I think he needs to go get in equipment that he thinks he can win in. Go in, get in cars that he thinks he can prove, reprove, you know, prove himself all over again to whoever's going to be watching that may be able to bring him back into the Cup Series. This is a very difficult situation for him, and, and um, he's got to take a step back and just get his thoughts together and say, okay, this is a defining moment. How am I going to, what am I going to do so that when all this is said and done, that I've defined it the way I want it to be defined and that I can drive a race car. And whatever he has to do so that he comes out on that end of it, because he's going to have to compare himself against a really good race car driver. It's going to be a challenge, but no one said you don't have an opportunity. He has an opportunity to, to prove he can do it. Well, Jeff, I think that's the big difference, right, is if Matt Kenseth can come in, help the program, and improve their race cars. From what we understand, Trevor's going to have a chance to get back in those cars at right. some point on a limited basis throughout the season. So as and if Roush Fenway can improve, Trevor needs to make sure his time in the car improves with the company. That would be a great audition to either stay at Roush Fenway or another car. If the cars improve, he has to move up the field. So all the pressure has been on Roush. Mm-hmm. That's all we've heard from last year. It's all been on Roush. Now it's on Trevor. And how he handles that is going to be really important. And I don't think Ricky Stenhouse is free to this as well. That's right. I mean, I mean now he's going to be tested against right. Matt Kenseth. So, obviously, a lot of things coming up for Roush Fenway Racing with Kenseth coming in. Trevor Bain, unclear. Coming up, it's our social pit stop, including Ryan Blaney, who was a guest of ours last month. He's got a special tribute to his father for throwback weekend at Darlington. Time now for our social pit stop and another throwback revealed for this year's Southern 500 at Darlington. This one's from Ryan Blaney and Team Penske. Ryan's throwback is inspired by his father's 2003 Jasper Engines car. Dave Blaney, the Buckeye Bullet, made 473 career starts at NASCAR's top level. And take a look at, there's the Buckeye Bullets. Jasper Engine 77 that his dad drove. And so coming up, 
Dale is going to answer questions submitted by the fans. Get yours in by using the hashtag Winsdale. That's up next on Wednesdays with Dale Jr. And earlier on Wednesdays with Dale Jr., we announced Jr. will release a book called Racing to the Finish. The release date is October 16th, and if you want to pre-order a copy, you can go to DaleJr.com for information. And that takes us to our fan questions. And the first one I will read this way from Rombal67. Who's going to narrate the book on tape version of Race to the Finish? Is this really from you? Is this your question? <laughs> this your application? No, this is actually this is somebody your, else. This, this, was, this, I think this is really is. his handle. This is your burner. Your I don't burner know, but if that's going to be your tryout, I think the answer is not you, Rick. Oh, all right. Is there? A, what do you think? Who would you want to have narrate your book? I don't you know. Whoever. You, you want to do it? Uh, it's going to be him. Cool. I don't want to hear his he story do it himself. Him. That's right. You can't oh, let me? somebody else yeah, do it. You can't can do it. All right, sure, I'll narrate. There you go. It's I'll do it. Sorry, we just... My agent will call you guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Justin Palazzo. Uh, will you give her a Dale call instead of using a baby monitor for your daughter? Who's picking these questions? Not me. Dale call. No. that was a good time. That was a good commercial. Great marketing campaign. Yes. I mean, they weren't even going to make and sell those. You believe that? Really? Yeah. Really? And we were like, man, people are going to want these, you know. <laughs> like, this is people cool. are really good. You know, they didn't even make that many, but they made one round. They sold out in like two weeks, and then yeah. they had to make another round. You, I couldn't believe that they didn't think to uh, so that people would want those. Baby monitor, no deal call on that one. All right, Chase Leahy. <laughs> uh, I saw you return to iRacing again, yeah. and Ooh. any idea on how often you're going to race? You know, I just got... I keep my computer upgraded and updated for iRacing if I need to go in there and turn it on. And the other day, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go in there. And I ran a couple races. I won one. Wrecked out of the lead in the other. And it's a lot of fun. Dirt or asphalt? Where'd dirt. You I ran oh, the, the new dirt stuff. is Fixed Street Stock Series was a lot of fun. Mm. All right. So uh, NHL is coming up. Game 7 is coming up. Here's the last I know, question. That's exactly how I feel. What be current tonight. driver could you beat in a fight and why? In a oh. fight? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe at least half of them. Oh! oh I like this. We're not going to get specific. Just throwing down the gauntlet. I, half of I them? I mean, yeah, I could probably be half of them. All right. You can't write a book about concussions and talk about fighting. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. I win some, lose some. Guys, it was fun. <laughs> that's going to do it for Wednesdays with Dale Jr., at least for now. Dale, we wish you the best, you and Amy, with the, the birth of your daughter. And, again, hockey coming up next. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.